Hello, and thank you for listening to the Lost to Light podcast. My name is Michelle, and I am here with my co-host, Angie. Today, we have a special guest in-house with us. We are meeting with Todd Studer, the general manager of Bluffs Country and the morning show host, and he also is Council Bluffs' most eligible bachelor. <laughs> Maybe second most. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, anyway, uh Angie, how how are you doing? Good, today? good, yeah. Michelle. Yeah, how are you? Good. Did you have a good weekend? I did. Yes, I did. Getting ready for um, an upcoming event this Saturday um, for Butterflies and Halos, my card company. I'm doing a little vendor event out in Waterloo. Um, that's Waterloo, Nebraska. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Iowa side, but um, at venue seven seven nine. So if you're out in that area and you're listening, uh, it's from eleven to four. They're going to have live music, some food trucks, lots of vendors. Fun, fun. Yeah. Well, I think we're real excited to get into conversation with Todd today. Yeah, yeah. It's it's odd uh, sitting on the side where someone's asking me questions <laughs> instead of the other way around. But uh, we'll uh, I'll make the mental shift. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because Todd. Um, Todd also has a podcast of his own, correct? I do. It's called well, Success in Iowa. And actually, that's uh, uh, Michelle and I uh, did an episode of that, which yeah. is how I uh, first learned her complete story. Yeah. And, and uh, I think it all of this kind of grew out of that. Right. Yes, it really did. My, my book published in March, Better Not Bitter, Journey from Heartache to Healing. I was on your show, I believe, in May. Yeah. And... You planted this seed for my own legacy of starting a podcast. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I had always kind of been thinking of it. I had done a lot of research about podcasting myself, and then Michelle just called me out of the blue, and um, here we are. So She's the first one I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Todd, um, let's start with you telling us about yourself and, and the losses the major loss that you went through in your sure. life. Well, I am an Iowa native. I grew up in Northwest Iowa. Uh, I know you currently live in Northwest yeah. Iowa. Yeah. But it's not quite as far Northwest as, yeah. as what you did. And uh, I grew up without my dad. Uh, my dad, um, uh, my folks divorced when I was, before I was two. And then my mother had remarried uh, and uh, I didn't see my dad uh, at that point. Maybe once a year was about all that I saw him. And it was, uh, without going into too many detail, I mean, people have asked me before about uh, what my childhood was. Can you describe your childhood in one word? And I would say disappointing is, is how I would put it. Uh, and the fact that my father was not in my life was, um, it, it, was it, it changed the trajectory of my life. And... Then fast forward to now, and the same thing has happened again, and I am not in my children's life. So it's, things are kind of full circle uh, in right. a way, in not, wow. not in a good way, if you would. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can only, only imagine. What a significant loss at such a young age. It was. And I grew up in a house with uh, five siblings, step-siblings that their mother had just left them about 12 months before and then we come in 
And so it wasn't really conducive for, you know, they weren't happy to see us. And that was the atmosphere that I grew up in. So as all of this happened now, I'm kind of wired to how negative it is to not have a father in your life. And now being on the other side, it's just, it's difficult. It's really, really difficult. Oh, I'm sure it's just inflamed so much more because of your past. It, it is. And, and as it turns out, uh, because I went through a lot mentally with everything that was going on. And, and as a matter of fact, I was diagnosed uh, with uh, generalized anxiety disorder and major depression because of everything that I was experiencing. And I didn't know any different. And they gave me a lot of uh, prescription drugs and... I would feel a little different from them, but never really feel better. Then they would up the dosage, and this went on for a long time. As it turned out, it, that's not what I had. I was never, I never had depression. I never had anxiety. What I had was PTSD mm-hmm. because all of this happening again and taking me back to the way things used to be before. So once I started receiving treatment for that, then life changed. Wow, I sure understand the PTSD part. Right. You know, after losing my husband, my first husband to um, a drunk driver, mm-hmm. that was so traumatic. And it's something you have to live with and manage the rest of your life. Right. And that's, for me, what worked was a, a type of therapy called EMDR. Mm-hmm. And it was life-changing. It truly was. I used to I used to have, any time that I'd fall asleep and I would dream, it was a stress dream, always. Wow. Every single time, it was very, very high anxiety in in the dream that I was having. Probably never got any sleep. I I would get sleep, but I wouldn't get rest because, you know, that stress hormone cortisol is just coursing through my system all night Mm -hmm. long. And uh, so when I would wake up, I never felt good, but never really understanding what it was. And after we started EMDR, we were six to eight weeks into it. And I realized I'm not having these dreams anymore. Wow. What a breakthrough. Oh, it was, uh, I was waking up and feeling rested. And now I sleep, if I get six hours, that's about it. I can't sleep any more than that because I was so used to (laughs) sleeping, you know, fitfully all night long for eight and a half to nine hours. So now six hours of solid sleep, I'm good. And I, I can't sleep any longer than that, even if I wanted to. Well, you're talking to the choir here. <laughs> <laughs> I've battled the PTSD myself. Right. And um, so I understand every word you're saying. Mm-hmm. I also want to just make this statement that um, by you bringing this up and, and sharing this with our listeners, and we talked a little bit about, about it on Success of Iowa when you, you interviewed me, but it helps to normalize it. Mm-hmm. It helps somebody might be listening to this and might something might click and, and it might help them to seek some treatment. So I, thank you for, for being brave enough to talk about it. Well, I have obviously with my job and I've done this for a long time, I have the ability to talk. You know, I Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it's just part of who I am. Mm-hmm. It's not uh it's not really a choice I make, it's just something that I do. And my belief is is that if I'm not talking about it and if I hide from it, you know, from even back when I still thought I had depression and, you know, and the anxiety disorder, if I hide from that, then I'm doing a disservice 
to a lot of people who don't have this ability that I do. This is just my strength. Mm -hmm. This is not, everyone has their own. This is just mine. And I'm very fortunate to have found that out Mm -hmm. and able to make a career out of what it is that I'm good at and I love to do. And and I, I don't know what the percentage is of people that actually get to do that, but I don't think it's really high. So I'm I consider myself very fortunate. Well, you have the the right sound of a voice to have on the radio. Yes, <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> You're blessed. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. So Todd, you know, um, I would like to know a little bit. When did you like with talking about the PTSD just a little bit more? Yeah. Was that, um, you know, after your divorce or was well it well after the yeah. divorce? Okay. That, right. that I found that out. It was actually, uh, I started seeing a new therapist and I've been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I started seeing a new therapist just before COVID hit. Okay. And I think it was the second uh, session that we had. He said, anybody ever talk to you about PTSD? And I said, well, I know what it is, but I don't have it. And Mm -hmm. he looked at me and he goes, no, I think you do. And he was explaining some different things to me and some different treatment options. And he said, if you're willing, and I said, look, I'm willing to do anything. It's it's fine. And something else I'm very fortunate is I have a rock star of a therapist. I mean, this guy is so good and doesn't sugarcoat things for me. There's been one time that I was sitting there and I was – processing something. I don't know what it was. Might've been, you know, ex-wife stuff. I don't know. And, uh, he let me finish talking and then he said, okay, would you like me to tell you now why you're wrong? Wow. (laughs) And I said, yes, I would. (laughs) (laughs) So a a therapist that is willing to do that Mm -hmm. in a non-judgmental way is so valuable. And because I've been through a lot of therapy that that wasn't the case. I would talk about it and I said, I'm trying to find some answers here. And I would just keep getting, well, I don't know. What do you think? This is what they're telling me. Mm-hmm. Trying, thinking that they're leading me through to an answer, but they're not mm-hmm. I, because I'm stuck. I've got nowhere to go. This therapist I have now doesn't do that. And he recognizes if I'm stuck on something and just redirects and off we go. So it's a lot of things have come into play. Here. And, you know, you go back to the beginning of COVID, that's when my life turned around a lot to the point where, where we're sitting right now. Well, that's great. Yeah. I, um, you know, my mother-in-law, we just talked about this, you know, with, um, the losses that our family has been through, especially, um, I mean, we've lost so much, but as a lot of, you know, you listen to my story, but you go, I, when, after, you know, my mother-in-law, for my first husband. Um, so she's lost both of her children and she just recently lost her husband, my father-in-law. So And a grandson. And her grandson, yeah. So she's she's lost her entire family. And um, she, you know, the only blood relative that she really has living is my daughter, Gracie, you know, her granddaughter. And, you know, she has me, but we talked about, um, I can just see her, she's not coping with stuff and she's just not dealing with stuff. She doesn't think that she's grieving. She doesn't think any of this. And I talked to her about PTSD and, um, she's just, she's like, I don't have PTSD. And I'm just, you know, we talked about it a lot. So, um, I've been showing her how to listen to kind of the podcast. So I'm, I, this I think will be helpful for her to kind of, you know, listen to, and I can talk a little bit more to about it with her, you know, so 
I do appreciate you bringing that up. Something that I have told other people, and I've got a friend that has, uh, he has depression like really, really bad. And there's times that he just feels hopeless. The, the analogy that I use is even when it's cloudy, like it was here this morning in Council Bluffs and we're getting storms blowing through. Yes. Sun still exists. We just can't see it. So yeah. if you are fortunate enough that you have someone in your life that can see the sun, even though you can't, lean on them and trust them that that still exists because that sun to me represents hope. And if a person is not feeling the hope right then, find someone who does that you trust and just trust the fact that it does still exist and you're writing something out and it's going to take a while and everybody's journey is different. I don't know how long it will take, but the sun is there. Oh, I love that. I love that. So then, you know, um, tell us a little bit more besides you going through this EMDR and, you know, the whole COVID, how have you found your light through your loss and where you are today? What, what other things did you do? I made some really good friends. Uh, I have a couple of people that I'm very close to now that I haven't known in retrospect really all that long, just, you know, less than two years. And these people are so supportive and call me out on my BS when I need it okay. and do it in a way as I said, the same as my therapist, in a non-judgmental way, but still saying, look, you know, no, that's not right. And it is invaluable. I used to hide from this. I used to leave the curtain shut and just hide out in the house. And nothing good happens from that. You know, no. you're, you're not going to make any progress in your life on your couch. No, that's right. <laughs> and be done. <laughs> um. Tell us a little bit how you ended up in Council Bluffs. In, well, I got married. Okay. And I was uh, working at a radio station, and uh, uh, my children's mother's uncle was working there, and he introduced us. And, uh, and this is where she lives, and okay. uh, her family is uh, longtime residents here, so that's how I ended up here. And that's okay. why I'm still here is because okay. my children are here. Even though I'm not seeing them, I'm here. And I'm not going anywhere. I... For a while, I did have my, uh, my career took me different places and I let that happen. And I found out that it was, when it, I was expecting cooperation that didn't happen. So it just made things a lot worse. And it, I finally got it through my head that, you know, regardless of what's happening, I need to be here. It's not easy. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy at all. No. But I am, I've made a commitment that uh, until my son is finished with school, this is where I'm going to be. And even if I don't see him, this is where I'm going to be. And I wish that I had done that earlier. Mm-hmm. I, as I, as I said, there were, I was expecting certain things that just didn't happen. And I can... I don't, I don't want to, I, I, I want to stress that w what I'm talking is my side of the story. Correct. There is a full side and yep. I carry my share of the water with everything. Yes. So 
Yes. I have a question based on something you just said. Yeah. That even though you don't see your son, you're still here. Take us back to your your own youth. Had your dad done something similar where he would have been in the area and maybe you didn't want to see him or have anything to do with him, how how do you think that would have impacted you now as an adult looking back if it would have been kind of a similar situation? I'm not I'm not really sure because I did want to see my dad. I had a I had this idealistic view of my dad because because I didn't see him. And and the name that I carry now is actually my stepfather's name because my mother had him adopt me. Uh, I was born with the last name Banner. Well, my dad's name, and he passed a few years ago, my dad's name was David Banner, which was the name of the Incredible Hulk on the TV show. Now, in the comic books, it was Bruce Banner, but on the TV show, it was David Banner. So I developed this emotional connection to Bill Bixby, who played David Banner on the TV show in the 70s. Wow. And I would watch that, and it was really to the point that when Bill Bixby passed away from cancer in the 80s, it really affected me because I, as a child, had just created this emotional attachment to a TV character. (laughs) It makes complete sense, though. Yeah, it really does. (laughs) And, well, and it was a similar thing, too, because my grandfather's name, my dad's dad, John Banner, that's the name of the actor who played Sergeant Schultz on Hogan's Heroes. (laughs) So... So I watched a lot of TV as a yeah, kid. Yeah, you had a lot of real uh, like faux heroes, I guess, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. I, and I used to be because things were not very good in the house that I yeah. grew up in. I spent a lot of time in my head. Yeah, and um, th- I grew up in a very tiny town, and there was no one in town my age. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I got used to uh, entertaining myself. I I there was a brick building behind the house. And I would throw a baseball against it and then field it. I pitched an entire nine-inning game. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because I—that was—and and I enjoyed it. I mean, I was the only one in that house that had any had any interest in sports. So this is—that was my outlet. Yeah. Were you an only child when your mother remarried? Yes. Okay. And I, I've described it as my parents only spawned once, and then they got divorced, and then she married. <laughs> my mother married a man with five children. And then she, they, the two of them had one more okay. after that. So ultimately yeah. there's seven in the house. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, I, um, I can, I'm, my story similar is, um, my dad left us when we were, when I was two and, um, uh, my mom remarried and I also took, um, my dad's name. Mm-hmm. He adopted my sister and I, my sister is three years older than I am. And so, um, you know, we had, um, you know, our, I, I felt like our life was, you know, very good too, but you know, my dad, um, he, he drank a lot, you know, and he'd spend a lot of time at the bar. So I didn't see him a lot, you know, and, uh, my mom and dad have recently, well, not recently had since divorced. They divorced right after I got out of high school. And so then they both moved on and remarried, you know, and, um, you know, I'm just, I'm not super close with my dad. So I, I still don't have that father figure, you know, and right. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that I had from my first husband, his dad was very, very, very 
good to me. And then my remarrying now my new husband, um, my father-in-law is amazing as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have that, but I can just, I can feel everything you're saying sometimes because it's just, I, I went through something very similar. Yeah. My, my stepdad didn't drink, but he was abusive. So, and, and my mother stayed there. And so I've, I've got a lot of unresolved things where all of that is concerned that I just, I'm never going to get an answer for. I've tried to, uh, wrap my head around everything. And, and ultimately I just figured out, like, I got to let it go and move on because there's not an answer here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my stepdad's gone now too. Uh, but she stayed, you know, and if, when I would go and try to talk to her about the abuse that's going on, I was told not to tattle, you know, so that was there. Now, ultimately I was able to have a relationship with my dad and it was never, I would never call it great, mm-hmm. but it was, it was there. And now that he's gone, I mean, I, I miss him a lot. I miss being able to talk to him. When I got the job as general manager of Bluffs Country, first thing I wanted to do was call my dad, and I couldn't. But for me, something else I'm very fortunate about is when my dad passed, instantly all of the negative stuff was gone, and all I remembered was the positive. I think that's kind of typical with losses, significant losses. Oh, for sure. And I was able to... Uh, I was able to give the eulogy at his funeral, which for me was when we were going through the planning stages at the funeral home, uh, the director said, does anybody want to speak? And, uh, I turned to my stepmother and I said, if, if it's okay, I'd like to, because this, this is what I do. So this is like the last, uh, gift that I can give my dad and actually coming full circle just recently. When dad got sick, and he, and he passed away very quickly. I mean, he got sick, and then four weeks later, he was gone. Uh, we had pl- we were planning a vacation. Uh, we were going to do a road trip on Route 66, and dad knew that something was seriously wrong before any of the rest of us did, and he was not talking about it, and I was trying to get his mind off of it. And so we're talking about the trip, and he asked if we could take a side road that was off the route to Bloomfield, New Mexico, where he spent part of his uh, youth. And I said, oh, yeah, Dad, let's do that. Yeah, you bet. We're going to do that because he's in the hospital at this point. And uh, so after he died, I decided that because I had part of his ashes, I'm going to get him to Bloomfield. That just happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, This is, I mean, as we're recording this, this is July 17th. Uh, On July 2nd was when I spread my dad's ashes in Bloomfield which ironically was my stepdad's birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. It, it, it's like a lot of, there's a lot of weird things that went yeah. on. My God da- winks. My dad died on the 28th of October of 2020, which would have been my 20th wedding anniversary. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it, it's just strange. It is. You know? we, we talk about numbers all the time yeah. and dates, and it's mm-hmm. just... Um, there's just something there. Synchronicities. <laughs> <laughs> so what about, um, just a little bit, if you would, what about your relationship with your mom then? Uh, it's pretty much non-existent now. Okay. Uh, she's still, she's, she, she, she defends what happened without defending it now. And it's still, 
she doesn't want to acknowledge anything. And I didn't even want my own children there because I didn't feel like she would protect them. Uh, she didn't, my mother never had that mother instinct that, that you both are very aware of what that is. My mom never had it. So there was never anything there that said, oh, there's danger here. We got to get him out. So, so you lacked the mother instinct and then the father mm-hmm. wasn't, so you really grew up by yourself. I did. I, I've always felt alone. I've, uh, that's a sense that I've always had. And that's why the friends that I have now are, um, so valuable to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have, I have connections to people now in a way that I never had before. Well, I will say you are not alone. Um, we are with you always, and I am very proud of you because that's a lot to, to you know, just to move through, you know, in life. So, um, yeah, sure is. you're you're never alone. Well, <laughs> From the moment yeah. I met you, when I walked in your doors, I felt a connection. I thought we could talk so easy, and and it's been like that every time I've been near you. Well, that just, means a lot. Thank you both very yeah. much for that. It's, yeah, and you know, a lot has happened. You know, over the last couple of years that uh, uh, life life has taken turns that I didn't anticipate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which brings me to this. Yeah. Can you share with our audience a little bit about your podcast business here? Because it's kind of a hidden gem in Council Bluffs. What happened was I I needed to come up with some money and uh, I realized that I had a lot of equity in the house that, you know, was what's happened recently with the, with the real estate market. And I thought, you know what, this is an answer to, I can solve a lot of problems and really turn things around. So I decided to sell the house. And as I'm going through that process, the idea occurred to me because I had a, I had a recording studio in my house in the basement and I'm going to need some other place to do it. I thought, what if I had a commercial space? I wonder if that would be possible. So I reached out to an organization called Advanced Southwest Iowa Corporation, and their entire mission is to help small businesses either grow or launch. And the uh, uh, woman that handles uh, her uh, title is a manager of entrepreneurial development. Her name is Nikki Ferguson, and she is a genius. She is also incredibly humble, and if she hears this, she will be embarrassed. But... (laughs) I started talking to her about my idea of a commercial podcast business and having a location for folks to be able to um, come and record much the way that you are here now. Mm-hmm. So going out and having uh, the best equipment. I mean, the, the microphones that we're talking into right now are the same ones that they're industry standard. Uh, we are visually set in here to where people can feel comfortable when they come into this room. And... I mentioned, I I talked with Nikki about that and she said, that is a really good idea. And there's nothing like that around here. And plus, because of my background in radio, I have the ability to interview people and have conversations with people. So I thought that I could serve as host in a lot of cases, which I still do. And then we can actually have a, a a service-based industry here. So Nikki started looking around for different places, and where we're sitting now was the very first place I looked at. I was not anticipating liking it. I walked in, and I, oh boy, this is going <laughs> to work. This is all moving quicker than I thought that it would. So I signed the lease. It was still in April, 
because I told them I wasn't going to be ready until the 1st of June. Is that okay? And they said yes. And I took over the lease the 1st of June. It was a completely empty facility. And uh, I actually have some videos of the place being completely empty and me talking about it. And I started piecing everything together and all of these things that you see here. And uh, then I was up and running and I started talking with businesses and we got the, the Chamber of Commerce came on uh, as a customer and then the Glenwood Chamber came on. Then we started catching some uh, real estate podcasts and all these different things uh, started coming into play. Then I get contacted by Walnut Media who is looking to put a radio station in Council Bluffs and they're checking, they're, they're wanting uh, somewhere that they can lease space for a studio. I looked at what I had. I had other ideas for that studio space, but I thought, well, if I can get half my lease paid, that might make some financial sense here. So we agreed to do it. Then in December, they started the build and uh, had it ready in January. And then they needed somebody to host the morning show, and they... uh, to be honest with you, I actually approached them first because I started thinking about it that they're doing the mor- they wanted to do the morning show from 6 to 9 in the morning. I, the earliest I ever recorded in this studio was 9 a.m. And I thought, well, okay, we can do this and I wouldn't be taking up any time. And so I talked to them and they knew my background and uh, were excited uh, for me to come on. I went out and got Peggy Sweet, who was my co-host, and she worked with me in the podcast business already. And we went on the air the 1st of February with Bluffs Country. The president of Walnut came over and uh, was here for the first show. And after we finished, he said, hey, I want to talk to you for a minute. And we actually came into this room. And I sat here. He sat, Michelle, right where you're sitting right now. Uh And he looked at me and he said, don't say no right away. (laughs) That was the word that he used. And I said, all right. And he said, uh, we would really like you to become the general manager here and laid out his case for why he wanted that to happen. And I said, well, thank you, but I can't. I cannot run a radio station and a podcast business at the same time. It's just not possible. I don't have the brain power for it. There's way too much to do. And he said, well, what if we bought your podcast business? And... We negotiated for a little bit and, uh, I mean, a few weeks and that's what happened. So, um, my podcast business, Todd Studer Productions is now performance podcasts (laughs) and I took over as general manager of the radio station and that's how all of this went down. Yeah, that's great. I mean, what a, I mean, just an adventure. I mean, it's. Oh, yes. I, Seven I, months after opening this facility, <laughs> I sold it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it. It's like everything was supposed to happen that way. Everything aligned. I started the podcast business because, and, and doing it, period, and because it was the same muscles as doing radio. Radio was always my passion. I was just done with it. I wasn't going to do it anymore because of the just the way that the industry had turned and I'd I'd been part of a network out in Denver and I got laid off uh, by, you know, some guy in Manhattan who had never met me, <laughs> you know, um, and I was just, I was over it and I didn't want to swim in that pool anymore. And then after talking with uh, 
Patrick Combs, who's the president of Walnut, and Steve Celine, who's the owner of Walnut Media, they do things the old way. They allow me to run the show however I want to run it. They're not over here babysitting me. They're not, uh, they trust that I'm going to do what is right here. And, you know, they, the, what, the way that Patrick puts it is, uh, don't ever bring me a problem without a solution. That's, that's how he puts it. And <laughs> Great I, advice. Yeah. And I, I, okay, that's, that really gives me a lot of freedom uh, with that because yeah, problems are going to happen, but he expects me to fix it and then let him know what happened. And that's what we do. And I've been very happy. I, I never a single time regretted that decision. And we are, are six months in. The community is responding. We're the first commercial radio station in Council Bluffs that has broadcast from here since Sweet 98 left in 1985. And they were an Omaha station. They just happened to have their studios over here. You have to go back over 60 years before you find a radio station focused on Council Bluffs. And I had the opportunity to speak at a fundraiser. Uh, it was a concert up at a, uh, well, there's a restaurant called The Porch here in town. And uh, they were raising money for Alzheimer's. And we were there. And I got to introduce the band and uh, speak just a little bit about what we're doing here. And the way that I described it was when Peggy and I started this show, we had a mission of we want to be local, truly local. And that means Omaha takes care of Omaha. We're Council Bluffs, and we're going to focus on Council Bluffs. And the crowd really responded to that. And that lets me know that people like what we're doing. And I am very fortunate that I get to do what I love in this town. And I, I, can, I can be here, and I can be in the same town where my children are at, even if I don't see them. I can still be here in the same town. And I... I got my life back. This was before I, things took a left turn for me in 2000, in the year 2000. This was going to be my life. I was a sportscaster back then, but still this industry was going to be my life and now it is. And I am incredibly fortunate uh, to be able to, to give this opportunity. Well, even after your loss, you became your own warrior to get healthy mentally, and then to create your own career. I have to live my life in a way that is inviting to my children, even if they never choose it, that symbolically I'm standing here with my hand out, and any time that they want to take it, I'm here. But that's up to them. You know, I've, I figured out a long time ago, there's that old saying they used to, say back when, when I was in school about, uh, you know, it takes two to tango. And they're talking about it takes two people to have a fight. It's not true. It takes two people to get along. It only takes one person to have a fight. Because if one person out of two want to be, wants to be in a fight, you're in a fight. That's how that works. So I can only do my side of this. And when other people involved want to have the same thing that I have, it's here. And I'm ready. I'm just perpetually ready. But in the meantime, because my cousin went through this exact same thing with his daughter, and he told me, because I was, I was talking to him about it, and there was, you know, he could tell I was upset. He said, you still have to live your life. We only get one shot. We're only going around once. 
unless Shirley MacLaine's right, but I'm not sure that she is. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this is it. And yes, I'm, I'm unbelievably sad that I don't see my children, but I still have a life to live. And I owe it to everyone to do that. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, you're looking at two widows here. Well, our first spouses are mm-hmm. both gone. Right. And we had to pick the pieces up of our lives and our situation's being a little bit different than yours. You know, our daughters would give anything to see their dad again, mm-hmm. to talk to their, they would do anything. And so it's, it's really the contrast between our situations is so, so stark. But um, you have to pick the pieces up and you have to find your light, which you did. And you, you have really blessed this area by bringing your light to Council Bluffs and creating this business, managing this business, because it does bring something to Southwest Iowa and Council Bluffs. Well, you... If you're trying to make me emotional, I think that you're. <laughs> you're, you're did starting, I hit? Did I hit the button? You're starting to succeed. I am. I, I, I've heard that before, and in, in my Peggy Sweet is my co-host on the morning show, and Peggy is proof of how wrong I was my entire life because I used to say that men and women couldn't be friends, that there was never, there was always be that undercurrent there, and I was wrong because. I mean, Peggy's my dearest friend and she frequently, I'm, there's probably a note laying around here somewhere that she either, she either writes it out or she sends me a text, uh, that says you're a good person who does good things for people. Says that a lot. To Amen. Yeah. Says that a lot to me. <laughs> and we were, um, there's been many times, now I'm going to get emotional, but, uh, <laughs> There's many times that she says, she just stops and, and kind of talks softly into my ear and she says, look what you did. And I'm a part of it. I, it this isn't all me. I mean, Walnut Media is, with, without them, this doesn't exist. And the, the trust that they have and, and the, the skill that they have and the, and the people that they've hired and their mission and yeah, I'm a company man, but that, you know, that's, it's, it, it's because it's real. And, and the other radio people in town know the same thing. They all talk about whether it's us or whether it's a sister station, Boomer Radio over in Omaha. They say, this is what radio was supposed to be. All the radio people believe that. So watching the town respond to it the way that they have has is, is been a blessing for me. Yeah. Well, you, you guys are the soul of this you're the soul of this radio station. Yeah, there's Walnut Media, you know, owns it and stuff, but you guys are the soul of it, and it comes through. Mm-hmm. That's that's very kind. Yeah. That's a very kind statement to say. Well, Todd, um, we're going to wrap things up a little bit here, but I do have a question. Yeah. Um, what do people misunderstand about you most, do you think? What do they misunderstand about me? Um. In, in the general public or for the people that are cl- as closest to me? People that are closest to you. The people that are closest to me. I put you on the spot, uh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want to I make sure that I answer it correctly. 
and as honestly as I can. Because I we didn't pre-prepare this, so <laughs> we, did, we didn't have a pre-interview to talk about some no, of these questions. No, um, I think what, uh, especially when it comes to my children, is I just, I am different than what other members of their family are that they are still, that are still in their lives, but not in a bad way. It's just different. I don't, I'm sure that you're familiar with the love languages, uh, concept. Yes. And I, uh, I don't respond well to the gifts part of it. That's not who I am. I'm more verbal. I talk. I try to show things. It, it's become a cliche now about uh, you know spending my money on memories, but I've I've had that philosophy my entire life. It's not about things with me, and uh, I've done. I think I've done a pretty good job with that when my kids were in my life, and that's what I'm hoping as they get older they remember, and because I have to. I have to talk to the people they're going to be because right now they don't see it. And I, and I don't blame them. And to be honest with you, th- this is a hard thing. I also don't blame my ex. Uh, my ex has it in her head that she's protecting her children and there's no bringing her off of that. I wish that I could, but I can't. And, and I've tr- because I've tried and uh, there's really nothing left for me to do but to just try to live a life by example instead of uh, instead of trying to force my way in. Yeah, I can see that 100% with you. Todd, I have one last question for you. Is mm-hmm. there any advice you can share with our listeners that may be going through a similar loss? Try to separate yourself from the bitterness. Do not let it become about vengeance or retribution or, uh, well, if they did this, then I'm going to do this. You know, it, if we, we live in a very divisive society right now, and I hear a lot of, yeah, but what about speaking of the other side? W- you know, whether it's politics or, or what have you, doesn't matter. It just, it, none of that matters. I have to live with myself and I have to, uh, when I lay down at night, I'm the one that, um, needs to be comfortable with who I am. And I think with anybody, you can't make it about anger. It can't be, it, it's no way to live because there's no, there's no upside to that. There's no winning that fight. Mm -hmm. You know, it's even if I, went back to court, which I could have done and, and, uh, you know, laid everything out there. And even if a judge had said that, okay, you know, at this point, just my son, okay, he's going with you. My son still wouldn't want to do it at this point. That ship has sailed. I can't do anything about that. So don't live a life of bitterness. Just don't do it. it. It's, I don't have to agree with any of it but I do have to accept it because this is reality. And that's how I move forward. Healthy approach. 
Yes, I love that. Acceptance is 100%. So, Todd, um, I took away a lot from this podcast from you. So thank you so, so much. Um, And, you know, we just we really want to thank you for being on here. Um, Do you want to leave our listeners with a favorite quote out of a book or a favorite quote that you or a favorite song that's gotten you through the through the light? Um, Well, there's been there's been a lot of different people who have said something very similar. I have always been a fan of the way this was put by Muhammad Ali. Okay. Whatever you're thinking about, you're becoming. Whatever you are spending your time focused on, that is what your life is going to become. I have become a believer in focusing on positive brings positive into your life. And the reason that I believe that is because if there's something called a conscious mind and a a subconscious mind, and if you think on something long enough, it will switch over to the subconscious side and you'll start to see things that you would have missed otherwise. That's where the positive comes from. Positive exists, negative exists. You get to choose what it is you want to look at. I am doing my absolute best to look at the positive. Wow. That was great. Amen to that. (laughs) Amen to that is right. I love that. Thank you. Um, Okay, guys. Well, that was Todd Studer, and we really appreciate you being here with us today. And um, we will be coming back in two weeks with our next guest, um, Becky. And she is a friend, a very, very good friend of mine, but also a friend of Michelle's Mm -hmm. um, because she is also a widow and more. So stay tuned for that. And we really just hope you guys all find your light in the journey as you go through the next couple of weeks. Thanks, Todd. Thank you both very much. Thanks, Angie. Yes.